It's not to create more separation. It's not telling your destiny. It's showing you all these potentials that you probably already know about yourself and showing you the template of who your soul came to be and how to best live out that path. Hi, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Welcome back. I can't believe it's been a full week since our last episode. I know. Time's still flying. Yeah, it really is. I feel like it's just going by so fast. I thought it was like a early quarantine thing, but even with things starting to adjust a little bit back to normal, I still feel like the days are flying by and it's officially summer. So very exciting. I was thinking the other day that since we've started our podcast, since we started our Instagram account, we have not seen each other in person. Oh my God, that's so crazy. I know. So soon, as soon as you can get here, you have to come visit. Yeah, that's so sad. When was the last time we saw each other? It was like before the holidays? Probably. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So I'll have to come and see you soon in Amagansett. Yes. So you're coming back to New York tomorrow? Yes, so we are recording this right now on Saturday, and when we release it on Monday, I will be back in New Paltz with my family. I'm driving back tomorrow on Sunday. That's exciting, and then you'll have a nice summer back in New Paltz with your family, back in nature. You had a brief stint in Chicago. Yeah, I'm very excited for it, but I'm also very grateful that I had this past like month or five weeks or so back in Chicago because it's been nice to be in my own space and especially with places starting to open up. Like I've gone out for drinks a couple of times, obviously being safe and socially distant, but I just think like, especially for the summer and with my whole family there, all my sisters are going to be in New Paltz for the summer and it just seems like, why would I be here when there's not even that much that you can really do without all these restrictions? So yeah, I'm excited. Yes. for that and I'm excited to come see you I think it'll be a good summer considering yes we'll make the most of it but you in Chicago I feel like have had so many great experiences in the past year and met so many people including our guest today Yes. So our guest today, Katie Calder, I met her here in Chicago and I explain a little bit about it in the episode, so I won't dive too deep, but I was able to get a human design reading from her, which was really cool. And it was something that I didn't really know much about. I had just heard about it pretty recently and then I found her and she was really the perfect person to connect with. I feel like we connected on so many different things and we talked, of course, about human design, a little bit about astrology. She's a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I'm not like a huge astrology person but I just felt like we connected on so many different levels and she is just such a like cool interesting person to talk to she gets into it a little bit but she has so many different things that she does and uh, it was a really fun episode to record yeah so a lot of our episodes have been focused on fitness or focused on people's career trajectories and wellness so this episode is a little bit different we're diving into human design which we'll talk about and you'll learn all about if you're not familiar. I think we both were introduced to human design within the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was earlier this year that I heard about it on, it must've been on the Balanced Blonde podcast when she had Jenna Zoe, who I also love. So we'll link those in the show notes as well. If you want to learn more, I feel like Katie and Jenna are two really great people to follow on Instagram if you're interested in human design. Yeah. So human design is five different energy types and each person based on your birth date, time, and birth location, you have a human design type and your chart, which we'll talk about 
shows you so many things, but we will dive into it all today. And it's just fun. This was new to us, but we really connected with the energy types because it just kind of validated so many behaviors in ourselves that we've always recognized. And human design sort of explains why you are that way, how to best navigate yourself and strategize and communicate with others. So it was really cool. If you're not familiar, it's a really cool thing to learn more about and like you said, people always look to their zodiac signs to connect with their personality, but this dives even deeper and it's cool. I'm so happy that I found human design and so happy that we were able to talk to Katie and she gives me a little bit of a reading on this episode. Yeah, I, what I love about it is that it's not, it's not like reading your horoscope. Like it's not predicting your future or putting you into this like strict box. I always found it kind of weird horoscopes that like everyone born that month is just going to have the same thing happen to them that week. But it's more (laughs) about identifying things about your personality and about your style of how you work and what environment you work well in and what environment you'll thrive in and everything like that. So it's just like teaching you more about yourself and less about telling you this is what you should be doing. And it's actually, that's the opposite. I feel like it's telling you more about like ways to best make a decision and ways to best communicate with other people. And like specifically for you, I feel like she talks about that a little bit in the episode about how to have better communication with people and ways that you should like approach different situations. So yeah, it's fun for everybody to listen. And it's just like, like Mia said, a little bit different than some of the guests that we've had. And that will be the case for some of the weeks to come. We have a lot of exciting guests coming up, but we want to talk about all different things, not just fitness and not just uh, health, but all these different paths that people can take and different topics that come up in our lives we think could be relatable. So I think it'll be a really fun one. Yeah. So even if you don't think you're interested in human design or never thought of it before, I encourage you to listen to this episode because I found it really interesting and Like I said, we only discovered it this year and it's changed a lot and helped us understand ourselves better. So please listen. Katie's great. And I think you'll really enjoy the episode. Yeah. And feel free to reach out to us as always on our social media account. And please do not hesitate to leave a review on our podcast. This is where how people really hear about it and how we spread the word. So even if it's just submitting a rating, that helps too, but reviews are even better. So don't be shy. <laughs> yes. And find us as always on Instagram at mostly underscore balanced. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back. Today we have a special guest with us, Katie Calder. She's a human design reader and an intuitive guide. So welcome, Katie. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Do you want to start, maybe kick it off just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from and a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. I'm Katie Calder. As Mia just said, I'm a human design and intuitive guide. I carry many hats. So I'm also a tech professional. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a seeker. I'm constantly an evolving human and soul. And I was born and raised in the DC area, but currently live in Chicago. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about how you found human design? I know that you have, you just said you have so many, so many talents and wear so many hats, but I think that that's something we're so excited to hear more about. So if you could talk about how you found it and how you incorporate that into your life and how you're a reader. Absolutely. So human design kind of found me. I was on a path, I want to say about four or so years ago. It really started with yoga. I was walking down a path of just like trying to figure out myself better. And I wasn't necessarily, I was always kind of spiritual, but not really. And about four years ago, I dove into all of these different modalities. So as I just said, yoga was the start. And then I found astrology and tarot and mysticism and shamanism and all of these modalities and ancient practices that kind of put a mirror up to myself so I could know myself better. Because I felt like being out in the world, I was just out of college, I was figuring out who I was and I had never taken a step to pause and figure out if what I was doing was aligned with my highest self, my soul. And so all of that, it kind of was a trickle down effect where all these modalities were so helping me get to know myself and understand myself. And then when I found human design, it was like everything combined in one and painted this perfect mirror up to me and not only showed me who I was, but like gave me permission to best use my life. So I think that was around three years ago. I just dove really, really far into it. I was doing readings with all of my friends. I was absolutely obsessed with it. And then I began to start doing readings for, for others. And my ultimate goal with human design, with any system or modality that I use, but especially with it, is it's not to create more separation. It's not telling your destiny. It's showing you all these potentials that you probably already know about yourself and showing you the template of who your soul came to be and how to best live out that path. So I share it today. I do sessions, I do readings, I do intuitive guidance things, but it's huge for me. It's completely transformed my lives and so many lives of my clients and ultimately just allowing us to truly be ourselves. Yeah, that is so cool. I feel like when I first heard about human design was only really a few months ago, like earlier this year. And then it was kind of funny because, I mean, you know this because we've talked before, but right after I heard about it, then you kind of started like popping up and I saw you, I think on Instagram is how I found your account. And it was right around the time I had just heard about it. So it was like, kept seeing you pop up. I was just feeling more and more called to get an actual reading. And it was so cool. I only had one initial reading and I feel like we could have a million more just because the chart is so, there's so much to it. But what's cool is that you have taken it a huge step further and you're you're using it as a way to help other people. So for me, I'm like, I am learning all this stuff about myself and it's so cool, but you really have that call to use it to help others. So I'm sure it's changed your life so much, but now you're doing your part too and doing these readings, starting for your friends and now doing it for people in the whole community is so awesome. Even in my human design, it kind of says that this is the type of work I'm supposed to be doing, my chart. Um, a lot of my purpose, which is found in the incarnation cross, the part of the human design chart, I'm supposed to basically up-level my DNA in order to help the collective for the, the wider sense of it. But I'm, I'm supposed to share and be a resource and be a mirror to other people in a way, but also 
show others who they are so that they can do the same and kind of catalyze that in more people. So it's all a ripple effect, right? We, one of us, when we heal ourselves, heal our wounds, um, come back to ourselves, we have so much potential to not only show up in our fullness, but help others do the same. And your fullness looks different from mine, but by just being a mirror of, oh, it's okay to show up as you, even though that's totally different than this person and this person and this person, that just gives everyone the freedom to be themselves, which is kind of kind of what I see in human design because um, we want to go into a little bit of what it is, because I'm sure a bunch of listeners probably have never heard of it and are like, okay, I don't get it. What is this? And it's basically this system that combines all these ancient modalities. So Eastern and Western astrology, the Kabbalah, the Hindu chakra system, quantum physics, biomechanics, the I Ching, all of these tried and true systems into this one modern system that gives you a blueprint of your soul. And from there, it kind of shows you all of these different things. I mean, the the list goes on and it's endless, but it gives you a strategy on how to best use your energy in the world and an inherent way to make decisions for you, as well as just so much insight to what has always been you, what have always been your gifts, your strengths, things that are so deeply rooted in who you are, and then all the stuff that you might have absorbed from the outside world, what we call the conditioning in human design, because we have these areas in our charts that are very, very open, very open to the world, very open to the other, where we can ultimately be really, really wise in those areas. But at the same time, because the world has, since the day we were born, since our first breath has kind of taken us away from our fullness, we don't know how to use those correctly and properly, and we don't have correct boundaries, which is where disease happens, which is where disharmony happens, which is where we ultimately feel out of alignment and are seeking for something to kind of tell us we were never flawed, right? We were never wrong. And that's one, one of many of human design's goals, but it's ultimately here just to help all of us exhale and take a breath and understand that we were born perfect and our perfection is, and our uniqueness is different from everyone else's. But in living out our perfection and in living out our uniqueness, we help the collective and we heal the collective. And I love hearing about all the complexities of human design. And I'm so excited to you getting into talking about the different types and then the added layers onto that and reading a chart. But I personally am so excited because I've always loved, even just loving astrology, but I'm, I'm an Aries and I've never felt like yeah. I totally even identify as an Aries because I'm not super bold and super like embodying a ram. Yeah. <laughs> all of those like really intense characteristics. So I was so excited to even read a little bit about my, my chart and my human design types because I feel like off the bat, I already it really connects with me and I feel like, oh, this explains a lot more now. So yeah, I'm, I want to hear about the different types and just get as much more information about those types and so people can understand a little bit about which one they are. To give everybody like listening, anyone can pull their chart. So anyone can look up their chart online just using their birth date, their birth time, their birth place. But when you do that, you're going to be given this chart that you're not going to know what any of it means. So that's where someone like you comes in who can really not only interpret the chart, but then correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of it for you is intuitive. Like you can kind of read the chart in a different way than 
somebody might read it about themselves just because of your intuition and the way that you learned how to do this. But probably the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway that people, or the, the initial takeaway that somebody would have from their chart is their design type. So yeah, that if you want to explain the five types. Yeah. I love what both of you said too briefly right before I get into it, because um, I know me, you're like, I'm an Aries, but I haven't always connected with that. But that's that's again, right? You're only your sun sign and you have all the rest of your chart. Like for example, I'm a Taurus, but I have four planets in Scorpio in my first house, which actually makes me more of a Scorpio than Taurus. Hmm. But, wow. but there are all these, all these nuances and human design is even more layered, right? You not only have your type, which talks about your energy, your aura, and you're so right, Carly, about if you know nothing else in human design, you usually know your type. But I always want to caveat uh, I think that there's some misleading information about putting types into camps, like, oh, I'm in the generator club, I'm in the manifestor club, I'm in the, and your type only talks about what your aura is. It talks about how you use your energy in regards to the other, because human design is like this giant puzzle where all of us have our piece in it, and it, it only works because there's a greater whole, because the energies are constantly bouncing off of others. We wouldn't have a human design chart if there was no one else in the world. But with that, you do. If you know nothing else, you know your type. And there are five types. And each of your types is linked with what we call a strategy, which shows how to best share your energy in the world. And then a layer even beyond that is an authority. And your authority is how you make decisions for you. And so the types show general overarching themes, but they only again, scratch the surface in the blueprint of all that is you. And I could probably write novels and novels about all the different types, but I will start with the manifestors. Now, I always start with the manifestors. Manifestors are about eight to 10% of the population. And they're here to just do it. They're the only ones who are here to initiate without any anything to either respond to or to be invited to, just initiate and go forth and conquer. Um, Throughout history, manifestors have been all the kings and queens. They've been all the ones who have started the wars. Actually, back in the 1700s, our charts only had seven centers. We now are nine-centered beings. And back then, there were far more manifestors than any other type, which is very, very interesting because it, that kind of has very much shifted today. And manifestors are here to be the visionaries, and they're here to... They're born leaders, they're self-starters, they're here to know what they want, follow their desires, and initiate. But it's like, all right, manifestors seem to have it easy. They, they have the good life. They can just do whatever they want. The thing about that is manifestors have been so deeply conditioned by the rest of the society to be people pleasers because they've been told that you need to listen to someone else's rules. When you're a kid, you need to have a bedtime at a certain time when manifestors they should be choosing their own bedtime. You should go have dinner now. Manifestors should choose their own time they want to have dinner, even when they're little. And they've also been told by that by following their urges, they're not necessarily good, or they're not loved by others, or they're not working well in society. And so one of the biggest things, if you're a manifester, notice where you're people-pleasing in your life. Notice where you're disregarding what you truly desire and you want, because we need manifestors to initiate and to be the catalyst for the action that the rest of society can take. Because manifestors have this aura, it's almost a 
selective aura is what I usually like to call it because it can repel people who aren't aligned with the mission and it will draw into it whoever is supposed to kind of follow suit and follow whatever it is the thing that you initiate and carry out the work but don't worry if not everybody likes you or likes what you're doing if you're a manifester because oh when you are in your power it's the reason that we all can shift it's the reason that we all can transform because of you initiating and using your initiating energy and then allowing everyone else to kind of follow suit. So within that, the strategy is to initiate and inform for a manifester because you can do what you want, but you need to let other people know what you're doing or else people are not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You talked about a manifester, but in conditioning and growing up, having to, you know, react to a bedtime or dinner time. I'm thinking about like raising a child who's a mini manifester and you yeah. can't discipline them. Yeah. Well, it's not even that because ultimately we have these themes in human design that are when we're aligned with their design and when we're not, and when we're not, manifestors are angry. Anger is their not self theme. And when they are, it's peace. And so people, I think our traditional rhetoric around power is like, these are these really aggressive manifestors. No, manifestors can be all different types. They can be super gentle. And oftentimes they're so stuck in people pleasing that they don't even know. I have so many private clients um, and mentees who are manifestors. There's something about them. When you embrace your power as a manifestor, it, it doesn't have to be in the traditional sense of power. It's more like you have this, it's your aura. It's, it's you not even knowing how powerful you are when you follow your urges, your intuition. And in knowing if you are a parent to a manifestor child, it's like they know, they ultimately have such an intuition about what's best for them. So honor their urges, honor, you can put some structure around it, but, but honor what, what is right for them because then they develop more trust um, that helps us all in the end. Yeah. That's so cool. All right, what's next? What's the the second type <laughs> are the generators and generators are about 34 to uh, 37% of the population. I always like to give a range because it changes all the time. And generators are here to be these juicy, magnetic, expansive beings. Their purpose is literally to be lit up by what they love because generators have this expansive aura that's constantly drawing in opportunities and things and work and people. And when they're lit up by what they love, they create more energy for the entire collective. They're like these batteries for the world. And the world wouldn't work without generators. We wouldn't have sacral life force energy. And a generator strategy is to respond. And a generator strategy is to respond. Doesn't mean that they can't just do, do what they want or whatever. When you're alone, it, any type, when you're alone, not interacting with the other, not engaged, you can do whatever you want, start your business, start your podcast. But generators, since they have this expansive aura that's reaching out to so many things, they never have a lack of things to respond to. It's not like they're just sitting on the couch. Someone texts them to go on a walk. Someone invites them to a dinner party. They have to respond to an email all day, every day. Generators have something to respond to, which leads generators, manifestors or people pleasers, or can get into people pleasing. Generators are most the likeliest to get caught in the shoulds because generators have a capacity to work and have a capacity to hold all this stuff, but they're not meant to. They're not designed to. So that can lead to burnout, can lead to gut issues, can lead to fatigue. Ultimately, if you are a generator, 
align with what you love. You know, if you're a generator, when you are doing what you love, you could do, you create more energy. You could do it endlessly. And when you're not, when you don't want to do something, like you don't want to send that email, it can be the hardest thing in the world. Generators, when they are aligned, their theme is satisfaction. They're here to be satisfied with life. They're here to feel really satisfied in their work with what they do. And when they are out of alignment, it's frustration. So generators, you're here to be the lights of the world. Shed, <laughs> shed everything that's not yours. I love that. Type two. Type three. So you are a manifesting generator. But yes. Mia, you're a projector. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So manifesting generators. We talked about the manifestors. I'm a manifesting generator. We talked about the generators. Now we have manifesting generators. It's a hybrid of the first two. And manifesting generators are here to be almost superhumans. They are here to be trailblazers. They're here to break boundaries. They are not here to follow a linear path. Manifesting generators are multi-passionate, multi-talented forces. They're backed by a generator's drive and a generator's, you know, lit upness with a manifestor's ability to accomplish and are inherently efficient and just really not here to live by anyone else's rules and are here to taste all the things that they love in life. And so what's interesting about the manifesting generators is that they have parts of both and their strategy, it starts with the generator. The generator turns on first, which is the response. And manifestors have a similar, manifesting generators rather, have a similar aura where they constantly have things to respond to. But unlike the generators, their strategy doesn't stop there because once the manifesting generator starts to respond, then the second part of their strategy clicks in, which is where they become more of a manifester. And they need to envision the experience in its fullness. So I'm going to give you an example. And I might have given you this, Carly, when we had our call, but let's say that Mia says, Carly, let's go for a walk. And you're responding. It's something to respond to. You're being pulled into the experience. So then you start getting ready for the walk, right? You put on a shirt, you put on a sweatshirt, you may put on some shoes, you fill up a water bottle and you're feeling into it. It's feeling good. It's feeling all right. Then you get to the door. Moment of truth. All of a sudden, it is so clear to you, I don't want to go on this walk. That's when you tell her. If you had told her before, then you're getting all in your head about, oh, I should go, I, I committed, you know, no, it's a no. And so the thing about manifesting generators is there's always, there's always a possibility that they change their mind and there's always a possibility to shift and you are not supposed to be on anyone else's timeline or track because basically manifesting generators are these superhumans who dabble kind of like what I said in the beginning. I have all these different titles. You dabble in the things and every single thing that lights you up that you're dabbling in, let's say it's astrology this week, let's say it's taekwondo this week, let's say it's tennis this week, whatever it is, all of those gifts are creating this path that is making you even more lit up and will make sense when you see it from, from after. But similar to generators, manifesting generators can get caught in the shoulds. They can also avoid their urges like manifestors, but they're here to respond, visualize the experience in its fullness, and then initiate and inform. After the response, manifesting generators can initiate. And so they have the same not self and self theme as kind of both of them. So your themes are satisfaction and peace when you're in alignment, frustration and anger when you're out of alignment. But just know if you're a manifesting generator, you're not supposed to live on, on the path of anyone else. You are supposed to be so authentically you and let go of the things that are not lighting you up, even if it's two weeks later. 
because that's only creating more space for all the new to come in. And I don't think I mentioned this, but manifest generators are about 33 to 36% of the population. Um, yeah, I connect with it so much. It's so interesting to me because I just, I remember when we first talked and you gave a similar explanation in the beginning and it just is me. Yeah. I can love something so much and then suddenly I just don't anymore and I don't want to do it anymore. It's something that I used to love doing, but in my head, I'll be thinking, I mean, no, I'm supposed to love that. Like I should be doing this, shouldn't I? But then yeah. when I talked and I stopped and thought about it, then I just realized why am I, why am I telling myself I should like this thing just because I once did, like I don't anymore. And now I like this thing and that's fine. And I can just move on to that. And it just, it changed it like shifted my perspective on so many things because mm. I would get so caught up in the shoulds. And then in a similar realm of what you were saying before that, yeah, Mia can ask me to do something and I can say yes. But if it's for two weeks from now, two weeks from now, like she probably already knows this about me that we'll talk again about if we're yeah. actually going to do that because I might not want to anymore. <laughs> like it's yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. Just yeah. <laughs> very so perfect. Yeah. And it's so perfect to know because then there's less, less shame. And also I, I think I probably told you on our call, Carly, that manifesting generators are most often to have gut issues, to have autoimmune issues because you have so much energy and power, but the world has told you, you can't use it in the way that's right for you. And so it's being used towards all these things that are no longer aligned. And the second that you take a step back and wait, say, oh, wait, no, I'm in charge of my life. And I know what's lighting me up. The path is endless. I mean, you have all of the possibilities in the world open to you. So I love that little example from YouTube because it's such a, it's such a great example of energy types interacting correctly and not getting mad or shaming others for, for being who they are. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we talked about manifestors. We talked about generators. We talked about manifesting generators. So you yeah. have two more. So those are what we call the energy types, manifestors, generators, and MGs. They have consistent access to either manifesting or generating energy. And then we have our two final types, the projectors and reflectors. So Mia is a projector. Yeah. Projectors are around I'd say 21 to 25% of the population. And interestingly, we are in a generator dominant society right now, but 70% of our society is generators. We came from a manifestor dominant society. What a lot of people are saying is that projector dominant is going to be the future, which is very, very interesting. And projectors are here to manage and guide and direct the energy of the other types. They have, since you were young, you've just seen things in people and systems in a way that's almost like you're looking above. Sometimes we say the birds on the tree, right? You're looking down, you're looking down at everyone else and see what needs to happen and see how the systems are operating and see how this person is acting and are so here to recognize your own wisdom and be recognized for your wisdom and guide the energy of everyone so that we all can live in a more fulfilled, abundant, fruitful world. And what's interesting is that a projector's strategy is to wait for the invitation and recognition. And I think a lot of times when projectors hear this at first, they're like, "Ugh, what the heck? I can't do anything. I just have to wait <laughs> and sit around. And that's not it at all. 
Because when you are in alignment and when you recognize how unique and how powerful your view of the world is, there's no lack, similar to generators, there's no lack of invitations. You have invitations all day, every day, share your wisdom with me, want to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then it's up to your authority to figure out what's aligned for you. But recognize your wisdom. And I'm going to give an example. This is what I say to all projectors. My favorite example. Let's say that you are on an island with a palm tree and there's a coconut on the palm tree and you want the coconut. Well, Mia, you don't have to wait for the palm tree to (laughs) invite you to cut down the coconut. You can just have it. But if Carly's on the island and you know that Carly is really thirsty, it does not give you the right to just cut down the coconut and force feed her. She's probably not going to like that. But if Carly's like, oh, Mia, I'm so thirsty, you could be like, oh, Carly, there's a coconut on the palm tree. Would you like me to cut it down for you to drink it? And be like, Mia, that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. You are so wise. Yes, please. Thank you so much for that brilliant idea. And so it's, it's knowing that how to create invitations and knowing when it's your when's the right time to share your guidance and not because oftentimes in childhood, right? The manifestors can get people pleasers, generators, the shoulds, the projectors can be just shut down or be seen as know-it-alls and then can be really bitter and they're not self when really they're here to have success. And the best way I always say for projectors to share their knowledge with the world is if you don't have an invitation, but you want an invitation, ask a question would you like me to share what I think about this? Because then you are eliciting an invitation that they'll either say yes, they'll usually say yes, or they'll say no. But it's that energy will be received instead of you telling someone the same thing over and over. And then suddenly someone else says it and you've been saying it all along and they listen to this person. That can be really frustrating, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Feel bitter. So projectors, you're here to guide us all. You're not here to work in the traditional sense. Like we're shifting to a society where work is looking very, very different. You guide the energy of the work. You play. We all, we're all here to play more, ultimately. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like that, that really connects with me. Not saying I I know I'm so wise, but (laughs) I, I've always been that way where not, I'm not like so dominant and I'm not shoving my opinions in your face. I very much like listen, take it all in. And I feel like in any approach of like making a decision with work or anything, I always try to make a conversation with the other person I'm making the decision with and like spark ideas. So that Mm -hmm. really, I connect with that a lot. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to use your energy and use your energy to the world. And it's, it's the best way that it's received. So we have the final type. Reflectors. Reflectors are one to 2% of the population, the rarest of us all. And if you look at the human design chart, if you have yours pulled up, which you can pull it up at geneticmatrix.com. That's my personal favorite. There's also my body graph. There's also humandesignamerica.com. Any of those, you can pull up your human design chart. And if you look at the chart, there are going to be all of these centers, which are these triangles and squares, which are effectively like chakras and regulate the energy throughout the entire body graph. A reflector's chart is completely white. All of those centers are white. And that's referred to as openness in the chart. And basically reflectors are here to be mirrors of our entire society. Their strategy is they have no inner strategy or no no inner authority. So they're here to wait a 28-day full lunar cycle in order to make really, really big decisions to respond with the world because they're lunar beings. They're so sensitive to the cycles of the moon. And 
they're here to kind of just be these wise observers and these people who show us who we are and where we're going. And it's really, really interesting because reflectors, if you're listening to this, you might kind of feel like all the rest of the type because you are so much impacted by who you're around. So any given day, a reflector can feel like a generator, a reflector can feel like a manifesting generator, but your ultimate who you are in life is to reflect back the world, reflect back how we're all doing and be okay with your day-to-day experience fluctuating and with inconsistency because ultimately it's your greatest wisdom. And, and we need reflectors to show us all and to be such mirrors of how we're doing. And you're supposed to live in a state of surprise and excitement. And that's ultimately when you know you're aligned. That's so cool. That's crazy. Only one to 2% of the population. Yeah. You have very, any very clients rare. who are reflectors? I have a, a few. I think I've had, I mean, out of hundreds, I think I've had like three. Wow. I know a few more. I probably know around 10 but that's nothing that's cool so you talked a lot when you were describing the different types you talked about kind of how it affects the way you make decisions and what you should be doing what you're here to do and everything like that but I know there's so many other things that you can learn about yourself based on your type or just based on your chart in general. I'm curious, like, are there different ways that different energy types should eat or should do, like, should live in different types of places? Like, does your chart say anything about whether you would do better in a big city or if you would do better by the ocean? Like, can you kind of read those kinds of people's charts? Yeah, absolutely. What's really interesting about human design, it can go into everything. So for example, it can show if you do better being an observer of your environment and being able to be more fluid in your environment, go to place to place, or if you thrive better at going into an office every day and growing up through the ranks in that, it shows if you um, are better with a routine, not only in life, like eating within a specific routine and having a schedule, or if you have to be more fluid with that. In human design, we have this thing called, it's a very, very deep level. It's called the, um, it's called PHS, and it has to do with health, the primary health system. And it talks all about all sorts of things, digestion, food, eating. And what's really interesting is it doesn't tell you what to eat, it tells you how. It tells you how your being is wired to digest the world. So for example, me, I have your chart in front of me. You are a cold person, which means hmm. you digest the world best, your natural being, when it's slightly cooler than body temperature. Hot people are slightly warmer. So this means when you're digesting information, you don't do well when you're really, really hot. No, I hate being hot. Yeah, you hate being hot. Exactly. And even with cooling foods, like those will be better. But for example, for me, I'm a low sound person. I do, and this has been, you know, this is hard. I'm not going to eat in total silence all the time, but this has to do with all forms of digestion, how I digest the world. So when I first learned, when I dove into my own PHS, I started instead of having music on in the background or listening to a podcast, I do work in silence. And it has integrated everything so much better. And what's interesting, Mia, you have your cognition, which is your dominant sense, is the same as mine, which is touch. And I'll look at yours too in a second, Carly. And touch provides another whole layer into digesting food, digesting the world, digesting information. I don't know if you're, you're like this, but for one, touch people, if we're just thinking about it in the food sense, you're the person who goes into the grocery store and will touch all the apples to figure out which is the right one for you. Or, and actually right now we're told that you with forks and spoons, but eating with your hands is actually something you are such a, your sense of touch is so strong 
and it it so helps prime you for digesting anything and for another example I know that whenever I studied in college even human designer things my way of studying is I write everything out and then that's how I study it I just like write it down and the physical touch is how I absorb information versus listening or or seeing and then Carly let me bring up your chart I relate a lot to that as well like even just in a form of studying or taking in information I've always been the type that needs to write write it down to remember it or like have something physical yeah yeah absolutely Carly you're an alternating person your determination so eating this then this then this then this it's like you alternate between things it's not I don't and I don't know if you are this this way in your life and even with information it's like okay get on this subject then I'll go to this then I'll go back to this then I'll go back to this and your cognition is inner vision so inner vision in regards to digestion, in regards to information, I often see these people are the ones who like when they're retrieving information will look back into their head. Too much visual stimuli harms your digestion process, not only of food, but of information. So it's like if there's too much motion in front of you, that's going to be too much on the system. I want to hear you kind of talk a little bit more about Mia's chart and like the different factors totally. she has open and everything, but before we do that really quickly, I have one more kind of general question that I'm curious about. So are there different, just thinking about design types and not their whole rest of the chart, but are there different design types that are more compatible or less compatible? Like, I think I mentioned to you last time we talked that Mia and her boyfriend are both projectors. Yeah. Like, is that a good thing, yeah. a bad thing, or does it not matter? I was just going to ask the same exact question before we got into the chart. And I'm so curious about <laughs> yeah. how Carly and I interact together and working together now and doing this podcast and with my boyfriend and I both being projectors, I'm so curious about how the types interact. So I am under the assumption, not under the assumption, this is my uh, kind of my understanding of it. Some people say, you know, this type works with this type, similar to astrology, you know, Aries are really bad with Capricorns or whatever. Mm -hmm. I believe that we are all here to interact with everyone, but there's the highest, most aligned versions of ourselves. And then there's, if we're using all the low aspects of ourselves. So within that, within energy types, right? If you're a projector with a projector, neither of you have to wait for the invitation. That's both of your strategy. You both can initiate right? It yeah. kind of cancels out versus within your dynamic with a manifesting generator and a projector, MG might invite projector to share something. Projector might ask, do you want to do this? You know that Carly might be like, ah, actually let's change it to this. You flow with that, right? So there are relationship dynamics with every type to understand and just to understand how the auras flow with others, but it gets more into the specifics of the chart than it does the types because type is just, it writes start. It's the energy, understand how your partner, how um, your, your business partner, how anyone's energy works, but then also where do you have connections in your chart? Where do you have what we call, you look at your chart right now, we have channels which kind of bridge two energy centers together. They're more defined energies. They're consistent. They're aspects of our personality their characteristics we also have hanging gates and hanging gates are always looking for the other side of their gate so that they can light up the center at either side and so it's really my favorite thing to look at in relationship dynamics is where someone is dominant where you know where maybe this person has a center and this person doesn't because then you 
light up their center and then you know you influence them a lot in that area or where you bridge two gates together and create a channel and so the overarching response to that is I don't believe that types are better with other types, but I believe that there are energies that certain individuals can create together, which are pure magic, right? If you have create a lot of connections together, we're often drawn towards people that bridge certain connections in our chart that can feel really good. And you can feel like you have access to a different energy or, you know, even just how you feel about people, it's all energy, but ultimately it, it comes very much more up to not only the individual chart, but the individual themselves. If you are living the highest version of yourself, you are more likely to be able to interact with every single person really harmoniously than if you are so in the not self, so not living it aligned. And even if you're with the perfect type, even if this person over here who is aligned is so not what someone would say should be with this person, if they are completely aligned, they're going to be able to use their energy effectively with everyone. So yeah. that's my, that's my short answer. <laughs> it's funny what you said earlier, if I see a coconut and Carly's really thirsty, I shouldn't say like drink that coconut. I should suggest it. That's funny because with my boyfriend, who's also a projector, I was told this by actually an Akashic Records reader, but to navigate my relationship with him, I should not give him advice and like tell him you should do this and you should do that. You'll feel better if you do this, but lead by example. And like, if I feel really great, maybe you'd feel really great if you did this too. Like, look how great I feel after like going on a run. So It's so funny that that is exactly what you're saying about my human design type and interacting in a relationship. Absolutely. And it could be also you have a defined identity center and he doesn't, or you have a defined something else and he doesn't, right? But it is so, that's so accurate. And so it's so funny how all these different traditions kind of align in similar ways. But yeah, we can definitely, we can dive a little bit deeper into yours, Mia. Yeah. I know we covered a lot of it just throughout the conversation, but if there's any like main things that you want to walk through, I mean, the, like you said earlier, yeah. the chart looks crazy. I can't look, it's all I know, numbers, I so. know. It's so, there's <laughs> so many layers to it, but we will cover. So we talked about you being a projector, obviously. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about your authority though, which I think using you as an example would be a great one because our authority is where we make decisions. And again, we've all been taught that we need to make decisions with our minds. We need to think about things. We need to conceptualize things. We need to talk about them. And for you, you have splenic authority. And the spleen is our center of intuition. It's instinct. It's our most primal survival system. It also houses fear. And with splenic authority, you get these pings. They're almost like whispers that are telling you what to do. It's like your intuition speaking. It's very, very subtle, but it's speaking Mm -hmm. to you. And it'll be like, let's say that Carly says, Mia, let's go to dinner. And you're walking to dinner. You're walking and you're almost at the restaurant and the restaurant's on the right. And then suddenly your spleen's like, turn left. (laughs) And then your mind comes in. Your mind's like, I'm going to be late to dinner. It's on the right. No, the spleen is guiding you in every minute. It's like, if, are you going to listen? And so what happens and often questions I get with splenic authority people are like, how do I know it's my spleen people? Or how do I listen to it? And what's very, very interesting is the spleen only speaks once and then it goes away. It's very, very subtle and it's immediate. And they just come in. And the more and more you can listen and not then have the cycle of massively overthinking mm-hmm. and go with it, the more that you can so quickly up-level your life. But most plenty of people, it's like, I can't prove that. Suddenly a, an opportunity comes in and splints like, nope, nope. 
but then your mind's like, this is a good opportunity. I should be doing this. But <laughs> your spleen said, no, move on and more invitations will come. And yeah. so the trust muscle with you and in, in really understanding that your intuition is your superpower and your senses are always acting at every now moment, the more and more you can build that muscle and the mind might whir and the mind might be cycling, but make your decisions from that intuitive splenic place, the more and more everything will fall into line. Do you see that in your life? Do you see yeah. like the whispers come in all the time? A hundred percent. And then exactly what you said, I get in my head and I think, oh, I should be doing this though. And I feel like I tried to listen to intuition, but I, I know that I'm a very intuitive person and I yeah. always try to like go with my gut. Yeah. Your intuition is such a superpower and the channel that you have in that is one that's all about transformation. It's literally called the channel of transformation. And it's that you bring transformation to the lives of everyone you meet. With that though, you can find yourself in great demand, very, very driven, very, very determined to succeed in what you, and it's like a very fierce ambition, this channel, but make sure you're engaging in things that are aligned with your strategy and authority and finding allies and the right people in the right community to bring you to wherever you are. But again, like, is this invitation correct for me or not? It's, it's really, really cool. And it's very, very connected to the people in your life as well, right? The contacts that are close to you in your life and succeeding through that. But transformation, yeah. you, you transform, you, you're driven, you're ambitious, and it's the spleen, the intuition powered by the root, which you have defined, which is a sense of it's where our adrenaline energy is housed. It's drive. You have a healthy way of processing stress in your body and it operates on its own unique on-off pulse for you. So when your adrenaline energy is on and your, your drive is there and you have something that you want to do or accomplish, that specific energy in your heart says that, you know, I'll make it to the top no matter what. I'll do it and I will achieve it. Just make sure it's aligned with what you actually want and not with what someone else wants because you have a totally open heart center. It's completely open. And the thing about completely open heart centers is you literally came into this life with nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. But the thing is, when you have an open heart center, often you can feel like you need to prove yourself even more. And, and you can be driven to prove yourself. But it's not ultimately going to deliver success or happiness. You're the most, both of you, the most open-hearted people and what's so, what's the best and the highest wisdom potential in the heart center is you are here to so be able to see what other people desire and what they want and kind of direct them towards it, but you don't need to be driven by egoic things. And so noticing uh, and checking in with yourself, am I doing this because I have something to prove or am I doing this because it's in alignment with my soul? If it's not, you have nothing to prove. The other area, do you, do you feel that in your life or have you seen that flare at points? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was just thinking about that even in a work setting for so long. I was taking jobs or seeking out jobs that I felt like I should be doing or yeah. wanted to pursue, but then quickly pivoting and realizing, what do I really want to do? Am I like getting mm -hmm. uh, held up on the name of a company or like what other people are going to think or say? So really just yeah. getting in line with that true self-worth. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you also, I mean, open undefined head center technically you amplify all sorts of inspiration around you and the other oh, completely open center i want to talk about is your completely open emotional center epitome of an mean? empath <laughs> it oh, means yeah. 
<laughs> you can walk into a coffee shop alone when you're alone by yourself, whatever. You're easy, breezy, beautiful. Your emotions are totally even. Um, you're a non-emotional, but it does not mean you're not emotional. Often where we're open is where we're the loudest, is where we are inconsistent. So it can be even more apparent. And you are so empathic that you can go into a coffee shop, be totally fine. This person over here is depressed. You're even more depressed. This person over here is happy. You're even more happy. This person here is sad. You're even more sad. And so what I say, what I say on online all the time, what I say in every single session, wherever you're open, observe, don't absorb, yeah. observe the emotions. You are so wise, so compassionate, so empathetic, but you don't need to hold them on as your own. And you're not in your natural state, you're not all over the place, but really, really notice who you're around or where you become emotionally more unstable or where your mm -hmm. emotions just go haywire because you're amplifying what's around you. And then notice how you can be such a similar, like reflectors who are mirrors, wherever we're open, we can be mirrors and we can also amplify. So where you're being a mirror to the experience in front of you or the emotions in front of you and where you can allow the emotions to kind of flow through you and process, but not hold on to them because you're not here to have emotions that are stuck onto you, right? I think it could be cool for people listening to hear. So that's, you're talking about her emotional center. Is that what it's called? And it's open. Yeah. So if it's, what do you say? Closed? If it's not open, is De that what you say? Defined. Yeah. Defined. Defined. Then what does that mean? Does that mean that you're, you don't read other people's emotions as well? Or like, what does it look like if it's a defined emotion? Yeah, yeah, great question. So if it's defined, that's your authority, technically. If you have the solar plexus, which is on the far right, it's the triangle on the far right. If you have that defined, you have emotional authority. I have emotional authority. You have emotional authority as well, right, Carly? I think Am so. I correct about that? I think you do. If you have emotional authority, you're, you have no truth in the now. You don't get the, these pings or... You can have the pings because you can have your spleen defined, but you live your life on a consistent emotional wave and your emotional wave is yours. And there are four different types of emotional waves, which we won't get into, but depending on that, they can be more intense or less intense, but you live on an emotional wave. You're supposed to make decisions once you find emotional neutrality. And so I always use the example of myself because I am an emotional and I also have two very intense emotional waves. And I know my emotional ways. I know how they operate. They're consistent in me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm going to experience a full range of emotions, but I have a way, I have a consistent way of processing versus Mia, you don't. So if I'm in an emotional low and you're around me, you'll feel even more low and it'll just come out of nowhere. Whereas mine is kind of part of my wave. And the, an example I always give with this is me knowing that I'm an emotional, I'm an emotional manifesting generator. If you look at my schedule to book an appointment with me, I usually don't have availability for more than a week in advance because I don't know how I'm going to feel. Maybe I'm not even going to do sessions anymore in two weeks from now. It's probably not the case, but I would never want to have a session and be in an emotional wave and have a potentially open client and then have them feel all these things out of nowhere. So it's really, really important in that kind of energy dynamic to understand if you're an emotional with a non-emotional, we talked about partnership, right? Understanding that if this person is really low, you can amplify it. If this person is really high, you can amplify it. And then knowing if you are an emotional to ride out your wave, even more so if you're a manifesting generator, because you're already non-committal. If you're an emotional manifesting generator, it's like, it's exactly how we scheduled this podcast, right? I asked you, I think we were going to do it before I got sick. Then 
you emailed like a week and a half ago. I said, email me on this day and we scheduled it. It was perfect. I was going to use that as an example, actually. Yeah, no I way. You said it to Mia when we were scheduling. I was like, I think we talked about this because you and I have this in common. And yes. I think that we're going to need to, we can't plan this like three weeks in advance. We have yeah. to wait yeah. and yeah. on the calendar. <laughs> and it's so funny because the world, and I know emotionals, you might be listening to this and be like, what are you talking about? I can't plan anything. How am I going to live my life? And here's the thing. Things are less rigid than you think. When you live your strategy and authority, I promise you, I know this because of everyone I see doing it and because of how I have shifted my life. You have so much freedom because you're not using the mental space thinking, wait, what if I don't want to do it that day? Four weeks in advance or then canceling the day before. No, no, no. Wait till you have alignment and then make the decision and don't apologize for it. It's always thank you for understanding, right? Not, you know, I'm so sorry. I apologize for being so flighty. No, 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 no. You're aligning with your strategy and the right things will never pass you. Just like this was so easy, right? We scheduled it. Then it, then something popped up last minute. We shifted to everything worked perfectly. It was so perfect. So thank you for bringing up that, that contrast. Yeah, I'm really happy that you just said that because I was even going to ask you to give people listening maybe advice for somebody who might get anxious about making plans or anxious about saying no to somebody. And I think you said that to me when we had yeah. our initial call is, just don't apologize. Just wait don't until apologize. you're in. Yeah, make your decision and then say, thank you for your patience. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, oh, sorry for my delay, which I used to start every email with sorry for my delay. Even yeah, if I was never. not delayed. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Never apologize. That was like the number one thing that I, I don't apologize for being in alignment with my design. And if that is triggering others, it's because it's not that I'm being flighty or non-committal it's that I don't know and it would be so out of integrity and out of integrity for you too for the person I'm responding to for me to not be fully committed I want I want to show up with all of my commitments because I want to do them not out of fear or out of the mind telling me I should because then it's just not a good energy exchange anyway when you allow others to know oh okay you can ask me last minute if I want to go out to dinner and Oftentimes, more often than not, it'll be yes. And if you ask me three weeks in advance, all of a sudden I get to that day, it's a no, then I'm going to be way more flighty. Yeah. Just, just knowing or just knowing that sooner too, you'll have the answer or, and you could even have the answer quickly. You just have to make sure you're in emotional neutrality, right? If you know, you know. And once you ride out that, you should see my hands. You can't see it because you're listening to a podcast, right? I'm, I'm making the wave with my hands. Once you ride out the wave, find about 70 to 85% neutrality, you are gold. But we're going to go back to Mia's chart just to finish off one little bit. We talk about your openness. I want to talk about your greatest power. Your most, let, your, your root is pretty rid up though. So you have a lot of pressure going on. You have a lot of pressure going on in your chart, but it's ultimately pressure that's to lead to good things, to lead to creation, to lead to innovation. Your throat, your throat is so lit up. You have both storytelling gates in your throat. You are an amazing storyteller, not only from experience, but also in using it in a teaching sense and telling stories and sharing with metaphors. You also have a direct connection from your throat to your identity center. It's the 2010. The 20 gate 20 is all about being present, being here in the now. And 10 is all about self-love and love of life itself. It's so fascinating. This is like the 10th person this week, every single person this week I've seen has had gate 10. It's crazy because I literally have said this to the past like four clients because 
it's one of my favorites is a love gate. It's the love of life. It's the love of self. And it also operates on the sliding scale of self-worth in regards to like, however your self-esteem is, but it's a pure empowerment of the individual, pure empowerment of you, of living life on your terms, of living life in your lane, of loving life, of loving yourself in the present, which empowers everyone else, literally is your power. And you help Mm -hmm. others see that in themselves. So not only does your throat, you have the ability to speak from who you are and to speak from your unique way of the world. You also have direct connection from your throat to your mind, your ajna. And again, the mind is never the authority. The mind is never where we make decisions from. But the mind is really, 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 really good at having answers for the other, especially because you're a projector. So Mm -hmm. the 1762, which you have, it's the channel of acceptance. It's all about opinions and details. It can be a practical voice. It's a very organized mental filing system. Very gifted teacher very, very gifted teacher. And you share possibilities. It doesn't always have to be the truth, but you share these possibilities. I also know because you have all these storytelling gates and the low expression of this can be sharing opinions without being asked. It's all about waiting to be recognized, to be heard because gate 17 is the gate of opinions. And it has an opinion on everything, but it always is looking for the best possible opinion to last the test of time. So If you have an opinion on this subject and then suddenly Carly comes forward to you and has this opinion and that opinion is better than yours, you'll adopt that opinion because you're just looking for the best possible opinion on the things. And you- That's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. And I think the final thing I wanna say, you have gate 43 and 61, which are on the knowing circuit, which if we go even deeper in human design, there are all these different circuits and uh, there's, it go, it's endless, but it's part of the knowing circuit. And I always like to say that these two gates and these energies are very clear cognizant. You just know things. It's not about knowing them from facts or reasons. You have these pure knowings that have the ability to transform other people's perspectives. And because you're splenic, because you have splenic authority, because of your openness, because of your chart, trust yourself and then wait for the timing listen to your own inner voice this is 43 is the gate of the inner ear and know that you have the capacity to mentally mold kind of a new awareness in people when the timing is right it's all about timing and rights sometimes this is called this is part of a channel that often is referred to as genius freak energy because when it waits for the right timing to be shared it's seen as a genius if it's not it's going to be seen as a freak But yeah, you have a superpower chart. And I think the final thing I want to share for both of you, because you have the opposite is manifestation. I think Carly, I told you you're a specific manifester, right? So you do well with writing down details, you know, write it down a list, know what you want, maybe vision boards that get specific on when you know what you want. That can be really, really helpful in drawing in what you want. For you, Mia, you are a non-specific manifester. You have to tap into more feelings, Mm-hmm. How do you want to feel when this thing comes in? Because being too specific can actually feel really stressful and feel really limiting because the universe is going to put something in your lap that's better than you could have or, or greater or something beyond what you could have written down, especially when you don't know exactly what it is, but you kind of know parts of it. So um, release any pressure to need to vision board or to need to know details. And then Carly, when you know what you want, write down all the details. You can get just that. 
it's so cool to see how we can have opposite ways of attracting the same thing, but it works so perfectly within our uniqueness. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the the greatest examples of showing there's no one way to manifest. There's no one way to live life. There's no one way to use our energy, but oftentimes the way that has always felt right, but we might've not felt the permission to live as when we have the permission or when we have someone who doesn't know us near it to us, we suddenly open the doors for just stepping into life with more flow. And so that's my, that's my goal for any and all of you. And it's, 5.55 Central Time. Look at that. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's so cool. I mean, you just spent the last hour or so telling me and I so many things about ourselves, meaning like telling us ways that we should make decisions, like I said earlier, and things that might work for us in terms of manifesting and figuring out what we want, like what you were just saying about specific and non-specific. That makes total sense to me. Like Mia even thinking of career-wise, like Mia in the past maybe has said, I want to work at this company doing this and been so specific. But then when she started to think, no, what are actually the things I want out of a job? How do I want it to make me feel? What's the schedule I want? What are these like specific things that I want? But not so rigid in the way of like, the company's called this and my role is this. Then I feel like she suddenly was opened up to all these opportunities and so many things started coming her way. Whereas Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like there's areas of my life that I'm like pretty unclear on what I want. And so I don't get them because I really just don't know. Whereas with work, I've been pretty in like the past 10 years or so since I've been working, um, had such specific things that whether it is really what I want or what I think I want, when I'm really specific about it, I get it. And it's just, it's so weird. I think I have to like really have my mind wrapped around a specific idea before I can bring it into my life. So it's cool. You're able to see for everyone listening, all these things you just told us, you're able to see all of that from a chart. So I yeah. mean, you can do this in reading. You can get as in as dive as deep as you want to. And I feel like the conversation is endless. We could talk to you for another yeah. hour. About this it's endless. I know. I just get more and more excited talking about it every time. Yeah. But, but that was such a perfect kind of description of all of it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and knowing that oh, wait, look, we could both come to the same conclusion, but this way, actually, it might be the opposite for how it successfully works for someone else. But just knowing that and also then giving others permission to flow in different ways, I think is such a nice way to be less attached and rigid in how to do life right and more in flow with being open that everyone's way is unique and everyone's way is specific to them. But when we all can align to what's specific with us, we all are happier. We all are better humans, better, make a better community and make a better world. So Yeah. Well, thank you for doing my reading. I love that little mini reading and all the, everything you added in at the end that really resonated with me. I feel like the whole time you were speaking, I was thinking about this podcast, the storytelling ability and the finding my, my path in life. And even like going back to waiting for an invitation, I really felt ready to do it when Carly was taking an initiative and yeah. started to like have those conversations. So it's funny to see how even coming to this project and looking at both Carly's design and mine and how it worked together. And we're now working really well together, but totally different um, designs. 
and how amazing the synergy is too between the both of you and just bringing all of those elements to the table is so cool so proud of both of you well thank you and thank you so much for doing all the readings but now we would love to just get into a few little rapid fire questions about you specifically i love it you told us you've told us so much about us and now (laughs) we want (laughs) some fun questions to learn about you i love it I'll kick it off, and I think I know your answer to this, but it'll be interesting to hear a little bit more. So I wanna know if you are a morning or a night person, and then what is the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to bed? Oh, I am such a night owl. (laughs) I think you know this because on my stories a little while ago, I had this operation become a morning person thing that I was trying, because- Me too. (laughs) The world operates in the mornings, and I just, I swear, it's really funny because I'm in my childhood home right now. I'm still building my study on the different types and whether they're morning people or night people or what times of the day they function best. So I'll, I'll report back when I have that. But I've been going to bed at like 2.30 every night, which is not ideal for the schedule of most of the world. But I was down. I was getting a snack the other night at like 2 a.m. Both of my brothers were in the kitchen. Like all of us seem to be people of the night. I'm definitely a night owl. I definitely get it. That is so funny. There. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about I know people say in the mornings, right? There's something about the peace of having that. I find that at night. And I guess one additional thing on that, last night was the Scorpio full moon. And I, I spoke a little bit about being so much of a Scorpio. Um, and I went on top of my roof. <laughs> I climbed on top of my roof to look at the moon. I felt so energized. And so I'm a night owl. And then I, when I wake up, I always get light. I try, I try to get sunlight. I drink water. I drink a big thing of water. It, I don't have any specific routine though. I'm a non-routine person and I have structures and practices that I implement throughout the day, whether that be meditation, movement, all those things, but I'm, I'm not rigid. I journal, but I'm not rigid because I know now myself, my design that when I make something a should I should meditate. I'm not actually doing it for the right reasons for me. I, I was on this app and meditated for like 360 days in, the, in a row and then lost my streak. This was a couple of years ago. And then I realized, oh wait, I was just meditating to get my streak in. I wasn't meditating to meditate. And then with nightly routines, I spray a like lavender mist in my bed as a nightly routine. I don't have any really specific one though. I'm hoping to limit screen exposure more is a a part of routine that I want to integrate a little bit more, but I definitely like to get cozy in bed. <laughs> yeah, that's like a common theme. I think me and I talked about that a lot too, about yeah. trying to limit the screens. Like I'm not so good at that before bed, but definitely yeah. I know I would benefit from it. And I love what you said about the first thing you do is like open your blinds and get light in because that's definitely mine too, but I never even registered it. Like I yeah. don't, I don't say like tomorrow morning I have to open my blinds. So it's like, <laughs> it's cool to hear like you just, it's an instinct. You wake up, you want yeah. light and you open your blinds and you drink water because you're thirsty. So it's, you're just yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to your body. Yeah, totally. Always the first things. And I love your lavender spray. That sounds so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is a must have quality in a significant other? They have to be open. I have very few hard and fast rules with a significant open, significant open with a significant other, (laughs) but 
I am so constantly shifting and like expanding my perspective and diving into pretty esoteric and mystical and out there things. And I would say my beliefs on it all are, I don't know, a little bit different. So someone who's open and can kind of play off of that and, and can also push me and ideas, but also not be close-minded to the great beyond, for lack of better words, uh, is really, really important to me. Yeah, that's a good one. And that makes sense for you, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite method of self-care? Oh, it changes all the time. Yeah. Um, my favorite method of self-care, my favorite method of self-care is consistently checking in with my mind and with what I am doing. So I talk so much about being and it's not, I think that there's sometimes a misunderstanding of being doesn't mean you can't be doing. It doesn't mean that you just sit around and are in la la land or whatever, but if you can be embodied in your day, if I can check in and understand why am I doing what I'm doing, that's the best way to care for myself because then I ultimately know what I need in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really important. <laughs> what is one food you can't live without? Chocolate. Ooh, that's a good that. one. I love chocolate. Um, other foods, I don't know. I shift all the time, but I like, I have a sweet tooth. Definitely. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one for sure. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you again. Do you want to maybe tell our listeners where they can find you if they're interested in getting a reading or just you share a lot of amazing tips on your Instagram account, mm -hmm. but maybe just share your details? Yeah. So my two Instagram accounts are Katie Calder underscore and at human design lady, and then link in my bio for any session details or things like that. But this was so fun. Thank you so much, Carly and Mia. It was so great to see you both and see you, Mia, for the first time today. And I can't yeah. wait for everyone to hear this. Yes, thank you so much. This was so great. I feel like we could have gone on and on and <laughs> I loved my little reading. So thank you so much for that. Oh, of course, of course. Well, thank you both.